All right, well, if you can make your way back to your seats, we're going to continue. So I invite you to come back in and to find your spot. And once again, my name is Joe Crummy, one of the elders here of Christ Central Church, and I'm going to be speaking this morning. Um, but before we begin and we look at uh, the book of Matthew again, we're just going to take a minute since it is Remembrance Day. We want to take a minute in part of our meeting uh, to remember. So if you're able, why don't you just stand for a minute as we walk through this. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to just ask that uh, we just give a moment of silence as we remember uh, our past and we are thankful and we can give thanks to God again for the freedom that we have in Canada because of those who have gone before us. So we'll take a minute and then I'm just going to lead us in a prayer for our military and for our nation and then we'll continue uh, with the rest of the message, okay? So I want you to join me now. Let's just take a moment of silence. You can give uh, thanks, and we honor uh, those who've gone before us, and then I'll lead us in a prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your mercy upon this nation of Canada, and we do remember uh, those this morning. Once again, we remember all those who gave their lives throughout our history, God, and to make us a country that we're able to meet like we are this morning, God, and we are grateful, Lord, and we do remember, God, and uh, we do thank you, God, in your great sovereignty, Lord, that you have given us, uh, Lord, this nation of Canada, Lord, to worship you. And God, again, we just declare today that we want you to have dominion from sea to sea. And Father, we want to thank you for those who are serving today, Lord, in our military. God, we do pray, Lord, for your peace and your protection and your guidance and your presence. Lord, and we thank you those for those who are in our church, Lord, and have been in our church over these years, Lord, and this morning. God, we just think of Bryn and Andrew and Ian. God, we think of Dan and Roy and Lynette and Jeff and Jack and Rachel and Josh and many others, Lord, who have been part of our church family who are serving today. And God, we just pray, Lord, even now, they would know your presence with them. God, and we pray, Lord, that you would just enable them, Lord, to do their job well. Lord, and I know they want to seek to honor you in that. So God, we just lift, uh, Lord, really our nation to you. God, and we pray, Lord, for you to continue to be at work. Lord, we pray, Lord, for a mighty move of your Holy Spirit. God, most of all, that you would bring many to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you. Please be seated. All right. I'm just going to take that off for now. And of course, we we asked many in our military uh, to be involved with us this morning, but obviously they're all uh, appointed to go to different places in our community, so they're out there um, today. But we said that we'd be praying for them this morning. All right, well, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Matthew chapter 4. And we took a look last week at really um, Jesus uh, in that first part of chapter 4. And we're looking at his life, that Matthew's recorded, and how he was tested, that he encountered the devil, and how that was more of a private thing, that, uh, and God allowed it, and how God used it to grow Jesus, and how that's really an example for us. And we saw how Jesus overcame, and because Jesus overcame, we can overcome. That's such encouraging news. 
And this week we move on to really Jesus, in a sense, going public for the first time as who he really is, that he's come as the king, as has been established all the way through from chapter 1 with his birth and all the different things with the prophecies, and John the Baptist going before him and declaring that the king is coming. And now Jesus, as he's gone through that whole testing time, he now declares that he is uh, the king who now is going public about God's plan and God's purposes. So that's where we pick up the story today in Matthew chapter 4 as we continue to read. Matthew records this. Now when he heard that John had been arrested, that's referring to Jesus and John the Baptist being arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. So another quote from the Old Testament saying it was fulfilled. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region in shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all of Galilee, that's Jesus, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. So here, just a brief intro, that Jesus now, as he's gone public, has gone from Nazareth, where he grew up, now to around the Galilee region, and there's a couple of things just to point out with that. One is, this whole area that Jesus now moved to, in a sense of home base at Capernaum, it was a very populated area. So it was around the Sea of Galilee, a very fertile area, and there were, I think they said about 204 different towns and villages around this sea, and each of them had quite a population. So Jesus went to the population. The interesting thing with it is, is that for those who were religious in the big city of Jerusalem, they considered this area very dark and pagan because it was more of the religious establishment was in Jerusalem. And this area where Jesus went was those who really were far off from some being Jew. There was kind of a mixture there full of Gentiles who weren't Jews. And we see, again, just this big story of God, how Jesus has gone where darkest, that's where Jesus is. Jesus has come as light. And in a way, they got to see Jesus first. So that's just an interesting thing, how God works. He doesn't always go where you think he might go. He starts out in this whole area. And again, it just foreshadows how Jesus has come for all peoples and how Isaiah proclaimed that hundreds of years earlier is now being fulfilled. And we see that Jesus, as he begins to go public with the ministry, we're going to take a look at a couple of key things today that really paved the way throughout the book of Matthew of three things that Jesus did in his public ministry. And the first one we're going to take a look at is how Jesus preaches and what an important part that was. And we read this just from the two verses in 17 and 23. From that time, Jesus began to preach 
saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then we also read how he went about all of Galilee into the synagogues and area and teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. So we see here, we're going to just take a look at some of the content of what Jesus talked about because he had three main things as he went through. He talked about repentance, he talked about the kingdom of God, and he talked about good news, gospel good news. So let's take a look at these in more in depth. First thing he did is he followed along with John the Baptist. So you remember a few weeks ago we looked at John the Baptist's message and he was all about repent for the kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God we can use interchangeably. Now Jesus picks up the exact same message. John's put in prison, but Jesus comes with the exact same message. Repent, and he brings it even a step further because the kingdom of heaven is near. So it's not just coming, it is coming in Jesus because the king is here. And we took a look at, and you can listen to it from a few weeks ago, the whole thing of repentance, really turning direction. It involves action. It's like turning from all the things that maybe were idols in your life or that you put first, turning away from them, and now turning to Jesus. And we took a look at how that involves a change in mind, how that involves a change sometimes in behavior and mindsets and priorities, all those different things. Jesus picks up the same message. Because we realize that to be a follower of Jesus, repentance is the way in. Okay, Because we change whatever we were following, whether that's a person or some other philosophy, or might even be ourselves. Okay, involves action. That's how we get into the kingdom of God. We turn from those things and we turn to Jesus because he's the entry point. He's the way, the truth, and the life. But we also see our Christian lives are always a life of repentance. So we become a Christian through repentance. That's the first thing. We turn to Jesus. But as we follow Jesus, it's a life of repentance as well because we're always having to change our attitudes and behaviors and ways of thinking that might be old ways or ungodly ways to line up more and more with Jesus. Because when you become a Christ follower, you want to become more like your teacher in every way. And a lot of times, as God reveals things to us, it's a life of repentance. We're like, oh man, I can't believe I thought that way. I, I now believe, understand that that's a wrong way of thinking. I repent and I turn to line up. So that involves the whole of our lives. So you can think that about anything in life that we want to line up with Jesus and about relationships, about marriage, about parenting, about finances, about sex, everything that's there, we want to line up. Okay? So Jesus came teaching, repent. That's how we enter the kingdom of God, as we turn to Jesus. And we realize it's a lifestyle of repentance. The second thing we see is this, is that the gospel is, it's literally, good news. That's what gospel means. And sometimes, you know what, we can kind of learn or Gary talked about it a couple weeks ago about you know how sports and different things take on these titles of like, what great news, so-and-so won last night. And it's like daily news. Folks, in Jesus' day, gospel had a whole different meaning. Okay? It had a greater uh, significance and impact. It was like proclaiming something that has happened to tons of people okay, that affected their lives. It would be like this. If you can think of us in uh, Canada, if you can imagine yourself... Years ago, Second World War, and I remember my dad talking about this. My dad was 13 in 1945. That's on tape. Sorry, Dad. Um, but remember my dad talking about hearing, okay? It was declared. It was proclaimed. It was good. It was like a gospel. People, messengers went out declaring, the war is over. Say something historic 
life changed. And even though he didn't have anything to do with it, it still affected him. Because it was a fact in history. That's the, that word gospel, that's what it means. Okay? It's good news for everyone because something has happened in history, even though you didn't have any involvement in it, that impacts your life. That's good news. So when Jesus is declaring, this is the gospel of the kingdom, okay, it's not just daily news that gets, you know, kind of mixed up with all the other things going on. No, this is like life-changing, historic, forever changed news. This is good news. And it's good news that brings joy. And Jesus radically comes, and his pronouncement, okay, makes Christianity and being a follower of Jesus so different from every other religion, from every other philosophy, because everything else is more like advice, okay? So it's be like saying, came to me and you say, Joe, like, how can I get, right, well, here's some good advice for you, okay? If you live a good life, okay, if you do your best, okay, as long as you don't try to hurt people and you're sincere and here's my best advice to you, then you know what? I think you'll be okay, okay? If you live a good life, you know, God will probably let you into heaven and here's all the things you got to do and here's maybe things you don't want to do. And it's good advice, okay? Christianity is saying, okay, it's completely different. It's explaining and just declaring the good news and truth in a historic event is this. You don't have to get right with God by doing X, Y, and Z. You don't have to try to do your best. You don't have to try to not do these things and do these things. And here's some good advice. And hopefully at the end of the day, you've done more good than you've done wrong. And you'll end up on the plus side. Christianity says this. Jesus is declaring, this is good news because I'm doing something in history that is going to be so monumental that it goes beyond what you can do it's what god has done for you and that's the basis of christianity okay it's not what you do or don't do to try to get right and connect with god and live eternally with him in heaven it's what god has done in history for you god connects you to him through jesus christ and what he's done in history it's not advice it's news it's news it's understanding and then believing that good news That's fundamentally the difference between every other worldview and Christianity. And it's absolutely vital. So we can sing those songs today about what Jesus has done in history. We're not just wishful thinking. We're not just kind of making something up. We're declaring truth that has happened in history, that is good news, that applies to us if we choose to believe it. So that's what Jesus talked about. He said, repent, turn from those other things and turn to me. He says, it's good news because it's what I'm going to do for you, not what you can do for me. Because we can never do enough to get right with God. It's good news. And then Jesus goes on to talk about this kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. What do we mean by that? And Jesus begins to, as we're going to see, Brent's going to pick this up next week, okay? Because a lot of teaching, we get into the Sermon on the Mount and all the teaching that Jesus brings to flesh out what we means by saying the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is near. But you've got to remember that big picture. Okay, Dave talked about it a couple weeks ago, Dave Felly, when he was here. So again, that message on healing. He did an hour on a whole big thing of the kingdom of God and how healing fits into that. So I encourage you to get on the website and listen to that again. But briefly, okay, Jesus is again putting himself into the great story of eternity. 
and how we see back in Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, how God made Adam and Eve in his image in paradise. Oh, man, I just like, you can't get help but get stirred as you read that story about Adam and Eve being created, walking with God in paradise, everything being provided for them, how they ruled over and had dominion as they were stewards of what God gave them. I mean, it's incredible. And then we see in chapter 3 how they, and God was king. That was the whole thing. But in chapter 3, how they sinned. They, they made themselves, they tried to become king. And they listened to Satan. And Satan became prince of this world that he usurped okay, the authority given to Adam and Eve. And how we see that when we become self-centered and we try to rule ourselves and we try to become king, how it destroys everything. And really, Jesus, on a rescue mission, was sent. And we can see how the Old Testament leads up to it. And Matthew does every time. He quotes the Old Testament saying, what was prophesied in old is coming to fulfillment in Jesus. And Jesus is coming to save not just the Jews, but the whole world. And Jesus is coming to restore what was lost in paradise. And folks, you can take a look at every culture Okay, and you can look at our movies all the way through. All of them tell the same story, don't they? Okay, There was good, then there was evil, then there was slavery, and everyone's looking for a hero to come and to slay okay, the dragon or the evil one, to set the people free so that they can have paradise and they can live happily ever after. Because you know what? There's something in us that we know. We belong in paradise. We're not in it but we want back in. <laughs> Everything within us longs for that. We love those stories because that's what's happened in reality. And Jesus has come as the king. And Jesus has come to declare the kingdom of God is near because he is the true king and he's coming to restore all things to their original way. That's good news. That is great news. And we know that Jesus is king, and that trumps the devil who is the prince of this world. And what he did on the cross, as we see, taking sin and taking all the wrong and all the rebellion and all the things that we've done wrong against God, taking all the hurt and suffering and pain and evil, and Jesus not only took that on, he became those things because we could never pay the price for that penalty. And on the cross, as he died, it is finished. Okay? The wrath of God was put upon him. And God was satisfied because justice was done. Someone had to pay the price, and Jesus did. But on that glorious day when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he conquered sin and death. And from that day forward, the kingdom of God has been advancing more and more. And more restoration has been coming as Jesus makes right those things that were wrong. And so we get a foretaste here, as we're going to see, of Jesus bringing heaven to earth. And that affects us today. So Emma can say today, okay, here's the situation I was born into. I was rejected by my physical, biological dad. And you can say her path was set on for a rough road and a terrible life. But because of Jesus Christ, okay, redeeming and restoring her to our Father in heaven, it's a different outcome than how it should have been played out. 
That's the kingdom of God coming in present day. So Jesus began to preach. Repent. You've got to turn from these things. They're going to lead you to destruction, even good things. Okay? It's good news. It's not what you do. It's what's been done for you in Jesus Christ. It's truth, not just good advice. And he's saying it's all about the kingdom of God, as we're going to see. This is huge, big picture from eternity to eternity that you're caught up in the story of God that goes all the way back to the creation of the world that happened in Jesus' day and that's still taking place today. And Jesus is saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is here. It's Jesus. He's the king of the kingdom. And he's the entry into the citizenship of being part of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. That's good news. So Jesus preached. We also see this. Jesus calls. It's amazing that as Jesus begins to teach on these things, he teaches on repentance, on the kingdom of God, on this good news. And the first thing he does, he takes it from big picture, he's preaching to the crowds, he's going all over the place, and then he makes it really personal. Because the first thing he does is he calls people to follow him. So you can imagine big crowds and kind of like we are maybe here this morning, preaching and teaching and talking. And then he says, Ollie, Andy, right there, you two, come follow me. Just like, that changes things dramatically. Okay? Because we, we can pay hundreds of dollars to go hear a speaker, okay? We can go to the casino in Moncton. We can hear a great speaker. We can pay our $400 per plate and hear a great speaker give advice on whatever, I highly unlikely that they're going to call you out of a crowd of 500 and say, Tim, hey, come and follow me. It takes on a personal dynamic. Jesus calls people to follow him. So it's not just hearing a good message or feeling a bit better or getting some advice at a seminar. Jesus makes it personal. He calls people by name. Okay. Peter, Andrew, just doing their job. They're fishermen. Come and follow me. Okay, John and James, come and follow me. So the real question is, we'll get to this at the end, but we'll just ask it now, is Jesus calls back then, and we believe that Jesus calls today. How are we going to respond when Jesus calls you? Because I believe even if you're here this morning, that's in God's general will, that's him calling you to follow him. It's not by accident that you're here. And we see this, that Jesus comes first. Because it's interesting, okay? We don't maybe get it so much, but in some cultures, we certainly would. A bit in our culture, I think, in North America. Certainly in Jesus' day. Okay? A lot of times, how you got your identity was actually from your family. Okay? So you can think of maybe some uh, backgrounds where family comes First. And so family sticks together. You defend your family, your last name, your family unit. That is your identity, and that is your allegiance. And that was certainly in Jesus' day. And yet he says to James and John, wait, they're right there with their dad in the boat. Come and follow me. Immediately, they left the boat, and it says, and they left their father to come and follow. Okay, in North America, maybe your family isn't what our identity is, but a lot of times our career is our identity. And most of the times when we meet people, we say to them, hey, so what's your job? <laughs> First thing we, so what do you do? It's one of the things that defines us. 
It's probably disproportionate, but it defines us. Peter and Andrew, fishermen. Jesus says, come and follow me immediately. They left their nets, the whole thing. Now we see other other places in the gospel. Guess what? Peter and some of them, they, they, they kept on fishing some. And guess what? James and John, they saw their family from time to time. So it's not like you have to give up sometimes everything and never see your family again. It might mean that. The point is this. When we start to follow Jesus, he comes first in everything. Okay? And we have to figure out what that looks like for each one of our lives. But I think in North America we can say this. A lot of the times, family still tries to come first in the wrong sort of way. And we see this in parenting all the time, don't we? Okay? And we feel the pressure of having four kids. The North American pressure is to put your kids first. And that means you do everything you can okay, to help them. Lois is looking at me going, yeah, you put the kids first. <laughs> Forgot there's still some kids in here, okay? And we can get the wrong thing. We can put so much pressure because what's the real issue? The issue is this. If you don't put your kids first, and if you don't provide every opportunity, and if you don't put them in everything, and if you don't spend all your money on them and all that, they are going to fail. So all I'm saying is, is, is it wrong to put your kids in different? No. But what's your motivation for putting them in? Is it under pressure from the world to say, if I don't provide my kids all these opportunities, if I don't do everything, then they're going to fail, as opposed to, God, I'm a follower of you. I'm a follower of Jesus. What do you want to do in my kid's life? And it's getting them caught up in a vision, okay, about the kingdom of God. And so you look at sports and music and drama and finances and everything radically different because what are we doing to equip our kids to have an influence in sports, to have an influence in there, to bring the kingdom of God where they are? Okay, that's just one example. If we're putting Jesus first, we've got to have a different view We've got to have a kingdom perspective. And I don't have all the answers on what that looks like for you, but I'm just challenging each one of us to at least think that way and ask yourselves, what am I doing these things for? And you still might end up doing them, but your motivation and your heart behind it could be radically different. And that goes for everything in life. Bottom line, what did Jesus do? He preached repentance, the kingdom of God, good news, and then he called people personally by name and when he called, it means this. If Jesus is calling you and you respond and say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, then it disrupts your whole life. Now, hopefully it's a good disruption, but it's going to disrupt your life. So there's no getting around it, okay? If you're going to follow Jesus, it's going to disrupt your life. Now, I think it's going to be the biggest and the best disruption you've ever had, but we're just being brutally honest. It's going to disrupt your life. You're going to have to leave some things behind to follow Jesus. You're going to have to exchange some things. You're going to get rid of some stuff. And Gary had that picture this morning. That's part of repentance. You're going to get rid of some stuff and you're going to take on some new things. But it's going to disrupt your life. Okay? So Jesus, when he calls, he disrupts. And we see this. We join Jesus in his call. So he said to these guys, okay, no longer are you going to be fishermen in the sense of that's going to be your vacation. We're going to make you fishers men. Guess what? When we follow Jesus, we take on his call, and we take on his purpose. So if you're a Christian here this morning, part of your calling, it's who you are because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You have the opportunity and the privilege of being able to tell other people about Jesus. That's who you are. 
Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. Now, obviously, he said that specifically to Peter and Andrew and James and John, but we see at the end of the story, as he returns to heaven, he says that to all his followers. Go and make disciples of all the nations. And the encouraging thing is you've got to have some characteristics of a fisherman. Okay, so this should help us in Atlantic Canada. But you have to realize you're going to have to have some courage. You're going to have to have some courage because God's going to send you some places. Okay, that's going to be dark. Okay, and there might not be much life and you're going to be maybe on your own. You've got to have courage when Jesus sends you. His Holy Spirit is with you. And you've got to be courageous and God helps give you courage. It doesn't mean you don't have fear. It means you still follow Jesus even in the midst of fear. Okay? You've got to have some perseverance. Fishermen know what it is to persevere. Okay? They're putting their nets down even sometimes when they don't catch anything, but they go on fishing. And folks, you have to be encouraged, okay? Sometimes you might share your faith. You might be rejected. People make fun of you. Whatever. Maybe sometimes you clam up and you missed an opportunity. You've got to have some perseverance. It's okay. Go on sharing your life about you. You've got to have some patience. We have to have some have to have some flexibility. They had different types of nets for different types of seasons and fish and everything else. Folks, you've got to be open to be flexible. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you. So sometimes it might be more apologetics. You're declaring truth. You're reasoning with people. Other times it's just going to be sharing your story. Hey, this is what God's done in my life. Hey, you're not going to go into be a lawyer. You're going to just share. I'm a witness. This is what God's done in my life. Emma just did it this morning. Okay, just sharing your story. It's powerful. Okay, what God's You've got to be flexible. You've got to be open to the Holy Spirit. You've got to listen to God's timing. There's a timing in it. And we saw later, Jesus says to his disciples, when they're out physically fishing, okay, now's the time to drop the net. Okay, you've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit that there's a timing. Sometimes, now's the time I want you to share. Sometimes God says, now's the time I want you to shut up. Don't say a word. Okay, sometimes by your actions, sometimes by your words. But folks, that's for every single one of us. Yes, some are evangelists, some are more passionate and gifted to be able to share, but every one of us, if we're a follower of Jesus, it's our joy and opportunity to be able to share this good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, and the last thing we see, Jesus in action. Jesus preaches, okay, Jesus calls, and we see this, Jesus heals. And this is incredible what Jesus does. It says, so his fame spread throughout all Assyria, and they brought him all the sick and those afflicted with very diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. This is where we get to the point where, okay, we pick up the story. We see that Jesus was born supernaturally, and we read about that in Matthew. We're coming up to Christmas. We'll read about it again. Okay, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. Supernatural. Okay, we see it Jesus' baptism. The Holy Spirit comes down as a dove. The heavens open. God speaks. This is my son whom I love. Okay, there's some supernatural things going that we kind of get an idea that Jesus is a bit different from everybody else. And John the Baptist prepares the way. But now we see Jesus in action. And now we see, okay, this king that we talked about and that we've heard about and that was prophesied and people had their hopes up for hundreds of years. Okay, is this really the guy? Because they said to John the Baptist, are you the guy? Okay, and John was just baptizing people at the Jordan. I don't think there's any signs and wonders necessarily that went with it. And John's like, it's not me, it's him. And Jesus, as he begins to preach, and as he begins to call people,
people, he begins to demonstrate that yes, indeed, the kingdom of God has come. There's a new king in town who is above the usurper, the prince of this world, the devil. And to prove that he has authority, he begins to take authority over physical things, which we lost in the Garden of Eden. And he begins to take control of spiritual things that were lost in the Garden of Eden as well. Because if you remember Adam and Eve, they were physically healthy, living, and death came upon them when they disobeyed God. And they realized for the first time that they were naked and they had shame and all those things that spiritually separated them from God. Jesus has come to redeem and restore. And he begins by healing to show that this king has authority. He has real power. Lots of people can declare lots of different things, but do they have any power and authority to back it up? And we see that Jesus does. He begins to take authority over physical and spiritual situations. And we see the heart of God as everyone around Syria, we're talking probably thousands of people as Jesus made his way around the Sea of Galilee. Okay, they said if he can go to two villages per day, taking about three months every day. So you can imagine how it's amazing how Jesus just didn't get exhausted. No wonder at times he needed to get away. Okay, we don't understand the magnitude of what we're talking here, of Jesus going from town to town, village to village, preaching, calling, and healing, and demonstrating that the kingdom of God is breaking in. Jesus is bringing heaven to earth and setting people free, both physically and spiritually. And so, of course, that begs the question as we want to follow Jesus, and obviously as we continue to teach and preach and to declare these great truths, as we know that Jesus calls people today, that's why we're here today. We ask the question, okay, does Jesus heal today? And as Dave did such a great teaching on healing just a couple of weeks ago, I'll just point out a couple of things and encourage you again. There's a great one-hour teaching on all of these things to a greater extent that I can fill in this morning. That Jesus has brought in the kingdom of God, even more so after his death and resurrection. That now he rules in high. Jesus is alive in heaven today. He says he's our great high priest. He's interceding. He's praying for us. He sends his Holy Spirit to equip us and to anoint us to be the body of Christ. And we are. And Dave raised that great thing. He's like, if Jesus is alive today, where's the body? Where's the resurrection? It's his church. And if Dave did such a brilliant job saying, hey, the kingdom of God isn't the church. It's bigger than that. But the church is the primary instrument of bringing in and ushering the kingdom of God. That is the rule and reign of God everywhere. Most importantly, here in people's lives, in people's hearts. It's the kingdom of God being ushered in. And that happens today. So every time we preach the gospel and people get saved and put their faith in Jesus Christ and they're born again, that is the kingdom of God. That's the biggest sign of the kingdom of God. And then Jesus begins to get people free. Okay? And we, that was so, in our worship this morning, Gary having that picture, Emma sharing, okay? God begins to heal. Because what is it? What's the big picture? Remember the big It's the kingdom of God coming and at the end of the eternity, looking like the beginning, okay? We're going to have paradise again because we see that 
The Bible says when Jesus returns, okay, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It also says this, there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more sin. There'll be no more darkness and evil. There'll be no more hurt. Okay? There'll be no more rebellion. All those things and all those wrongs sometimes that we do and all those things that have been done to us are going to be wiped away and the world isn't going to be one of those things that just burns and if we were a bit spiritual and if we were good that somehow we're going to float and sort of be in heaven. No. Jesus is returning and he says there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And actually earth will be restored to Eden. Okay? And we're going to rule and reign with Jesus as followers of him. And the good news is all that pain, everything wiped away Paradise will be once again. Now until that day comes, we still live here on planet Earth. And even though the kingdom of God is advancing, we still live in a fallen world. And those who get healed end up getting sick again. And those who maybe were raised from the dead end up dying again. And the world we live in is still full of evil and hurt and wrongdoing and suffering and hate and prejudice and crime and injustice. In the world that we live in, it's the now and the not yet. So, yes, the kingdom of God here, yes, it's here now. And do we pray for the sick? Absolutely. We're praying for the sick this week. People praying. Cancer would go in Jesus' name. Praying. Doing our part. Do people always get healed? Unfortunately not. At least not physically in the sense that we ask for it. But that doesn't mean we don't keep on asking and seeking Because we do our part. We pray in faith. And we call upon the name of Jesus. And we trust in Him. We go on preaching, even though every time we preach, not everyone gets saved and turns to Jesus. But we go on persevering because that's what God's called us to do. So it's the now. Yes, some people get healed. Some people get saved. It's the not yet. Not everybody gets healed. Not every situation turns out the way we want it to. But, folks, a day is coming. We hold on to know that Jesus, the great King, is coming again. And today, just in closing, we preach the same message, really, that Jesus did. It's about the kingdom of God. It's big picture. You're caught up in something that's going on in eternity, from eternity past to eternity in the future, that God is going to be king over his creation. But he makes it personal today. And he still calls people today by name to say, come and follow me. And we see he does this. It's a personal call. Okay? So you're not just born into the family of God. Okay? It's a personal call. It's not just that you're raised in a Christian home or even that you're raised in a Christian country. That doesn't automatically mean that you are a Christian. It's a personal call. The Holy Spirit calls people just as Jesus called people. It was such a radical thing for Jesus to call people. Do you know when... Their day, a rabbi didn't call people. Actually, people went to the rabbi and said, can I be your student? Can I be your follower? Jesus is so radically different. He comes and says, I want you. And he does the same thing today. And he calls you into a kingdom life. If you're a follower of Jesus, our lives should look different. Okay? And sometimes it might not look so much different on the outside, but the internal reasoning and motivation and what our ultimate goal is and trying to please God, okay? that's what makes us radically different.
So we might look in the same type of homes. We might drive the same types of cars and things like that. It's the world we live in. We, we're stewards of it. We want to use it for good. But the motivation behind it and what we value and what we're passionate about, okay, what goes on behind the scenes and praying okay, and pleasing God in all these things, okay, that's a kingdom life. And it affects the whole of our walk of life. And that's personal. But the last thing is this. It's also corporate as well. Is that God brings you not just a kingdom. He brings you into. And the Bible uses so many different things. It says like you're a citizen of a new kingdom. That is, we are citizens together. We're the family of God. We're the body of Christ. All kinds of different parts, but one body. We get to be the kingdom of God together. And what a witness. Okay, not only do we get to personally be about the kingdom and live out this kingdom lifestyle, the church should look radically different from the world in being a kingdom people because we're following Jesus Christ. Okay? And sometimes that might seem, okay, that might look like those radical things that we think about people getting healed. Absolutely, that can be it. But a lot of the time it's our attitudes and our actions towards one another. We want to be a forgiven, forgiving people because we've been forgiven, forgiven. That's a radical kingdom thing. Okay? Instead of speaking hate, we speak love because we're the voice of Jesus now. Okay? We prefer one another. So we serve one another. Our finances look different. All those things together as the people of God. Okay? So Jesus, we saw last week, he was tested in private. Character things, an opportunity for growth. Now he's going public. And the first words as he goes public are this, repent, turn from those things, because the kingdom of God is here, and he's proclaiming good news, and he's calling us, even today, to come to him, to be part of his kingdom, and to walk that out, to be part of the restoration process of all things being brought under the headship of Jesus Christ, both now and as we're going to see when Jesus returns in eternity. And the question we have today, again, is how do we respond to his call? Personally, together, corporately. And I'm going to hand things over here. Let me just lead us in a prayer. Because I believe with all my heart, okay, if you're here this morning, okay, the Holy Spirit is active here today. And I wholeheartedly believe he's calling Many of you. Okay, many of you already know, I already know you're called. Okay, but maybe he's stirring up to be even more radical followers of him. But I believe there's people here this morning maybe never, okay, realized that Jesus Christ okay, has come to be your Savior. It's not what you do for him. It's what he's done for you. And you can line up and believe that and become a kingdom person following the King of Kings. Okay, if God's stirring your heart today, please be obedient to that, Okay. We just want to help you to respond to that. So if you're able, let's stand together just as we close.